This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast on this uh, Monday morning. As we have uh, pared it down to the Sweet 16, we'll also get to your emails. Remember, you can send them at Podcast at gmail.com. Obviously, we start to count the days to opening day, and we have a uh, very odd-looking regional at Madison Square Garden that will be uh, led by a uh, 5'8 point guard from Kansas State who has stolen the show uh, in the tournament and did yesterday against Kentucky. Both uh, Kentucky, I mean, both K-State and Michigan State won terrific games against Marquette. Hard-fought game against Marquette for Michigan State, hard-fought game against Kentucky. Uh, they made two threes late that just buried the uh, Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, so a uh, big win for Kansas State. Florida Atlantic, which uh, outlasted a gritty FDU Last night, uh, we'll play Tennessee, which upset Duke in the other uh, regional game. It's a very competitive but wide-open bracket led by the Alabama and Houston squads, which are the two big squads. They were the two big squads uh, all season. They are right there. Obviously, Purdue was there, too. Uh, you've lost some teams that people thought had a chance to be very big players in this tournament. That would be uh, Kansas. That would be Arizona. That would be Purdue. That would be Duke. Um, that would be uh, – that's basically, basically it for the teams that would be the teams that you would see picked a lot. I mean, for the final four, Duke was picked a lot in the East. Purdue was the one seed, so they obviously got picked a lot. Marquette got picked an overwhelming amount of time, too, and they're gone. So what you have left is two ones, and that's usually you get three ones. An average is three. They got two. You have two ones left. And Alabama didn't get a serious scare. Houston got a serious scare, down 10 at half to Auburn, and then played a brilliant second half, and they'll be stronger this week. There were a couple of games I circled early in the tournament that I thought would be really special along the way. Houston-Texas is one of them in the regional final that I think we'll get in the Midwest. The other one would be UCLA-UConn, if we get that in the West. That would be an incredible game. Not that UCLA-Gonzaga won't be a good game. It will. Um, UCLA-UConn would be an un- unbelievable game. And then you have the charm of the 15 seed as Princeton will take on Creighton. Creighton and Xavier made it through from the Big East to the Sweet 16. So you have two ones, two twos. You have three threes, two fours, 
two fives, a six, a seven, an eight, a nine, and a 15. The 15, of course, being the Princeton Tigers, who will play Creighton in the South, where Alabama is an overwhelming favorite. You have Princeton, Creighton, and San Diego State trying to knock off mighty Alabama. You have Texas, Xavier, and Miami trying to knock off Houston. And then you have the three strong teams out of the four alive in the West. You lost Kansas, but Arkansas is a legitimately good team. You have UConn, Gonzaga, and UCLA uh, left in the West, and all those teams, very, very good teams. And then some surprises in the East, where you have Florida Atlantic, where you have Tennessee, where you have Kansas State, and where you have Michigan State and Coach Izzo, who is one of the grand masters of this uh, tournament. Um, One thing to mention I don't know if you saw it, but it's it, it, if it if you lost this game, you know about it already, and you've already told everybody about it. But if you if you haven't seen it, you have to see. Gonzaga trailed TCU a lot of the game. They finally took over, and they took a solid lead. They were a four and a half point favorite, and then came. 13 seconds that I will call, if you bet Gonzaga, the roughest beat in the history of basketball. And that is not overstating it. This is the roughest beat in the history of basketball. I have never seen anything like it. I don't know if I'll ever see anything like it again. Let me just, since this is uh, a show that deals with gambling at times because of Bet Rivers, uh, we deal with plenty of it. So here's the scenario. And yes, I had a bet on Gonzaga. So I want to tell you that I was following along and felt the heartache with everybody else because I did have a bet on Gonzaga. Not only that, I had him on the back of a five-team parlay that I was about to win and lost it. So it was even more heartbreaking than that. Um, Gonzaga had a seven-point lead and the ball with 13 seconds left. Okay? Four and a half point favorite. They trailed 38-33 at the half. Now they're up seven with the ball. Off a pit or off a uh TCU miss. 13 seconds left. They turn the ball over. And they foul. TCU goes to the line makes it a five-point game. They throw the ball inbounds, Gonzaga does. It leads to a dunk and a seven-point lead. TCU inbounds the ball, drives it down the court, and hits a three from about 28 feet with four seconds left. They foul with seven-tenths of a second left. So you have, if you're Gonzaga, lost this game once because they turned the ball over. Because if they inbound the ball up seven, even if CCU fouls, they're going to go up eight or nine. Okay? Even if they miss one, they're going up eight. That would give you the cushion of them coming down and hitting a three and ending the game which is the worst scenario you could even have, and you still cover. 
Instead, they hit it, and now they're up four as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. They get a foul call with seven-tenths of a second left. Gonzaga goes to the line, hits the first, hits the second. So you say, thank God I won. There's only seven-tenths of a second left. They're under their own basket with the ball. There's no way they can score. What happened then is something that you will see replayed forever. They rolled the ball. So the clock doesn't start until the ball is touched. None of the Gonzaga players went near the ball. The ball rolled to about 30 feet from the basket. Pitt picked it up and launched it. They said he got the shot off and it was good. I am not kidding you. So Gonzaga let the ball be rolled all the way down the court. Nobody touched it. So the clock doesn't start. It's the only way they can get the ball down the floor. They only had seven-tenths of a second. You can't even get a shot off in seven-tenths of a second most times. He picked it up and got a three off. They said the ball was good in the air, and it went in. And they won by three. And with that, the worst beat in the history of basketball. You lost the game because Pitt, which was down seven and the other team had the ball with 13 seconds left. They could have easily just flipped the ball in and Pitt could have said, shake hands. Instead, they turned the ball over and they foul. So now it's five. You're still covering. They throw the ball in. If he doesn't dunk it and he dribbles it past the basket, he probably dribbles out the clock. Instead, he dunks it. Now they're up seven. They come down and they hit a three. And they foul. Now they go back and they make you say, just give me one free throw and I'm in. There's only seven-tenths of a second left. They're just going to flip the ball in bounds and the game's over. Instead, they make both. If he hits the rim on the second one, the game's over. If they touch the basketball anywhere as it's rolling or make them pick the ball up by going to the ball, the game's over. If anyone touches the ball or makes a Pittsburgh player touch the ball in the backcourt, the ball game's over. Instead, they let the ball roll 60 feet without anybody touching it. Pick it up and hoist it and make another three. So you lost, if you're Gonzaga, on two made threes in the final four seconds of a basketball game. Two made threes in four seconds. The worst beat in the history of basketball. And if you lost that game, you can then claim that you had the worst beat in the history of basketball. There's none that I can put up against it. 
None. Even Earl Monroe flipping it in the wrong basket, which was a source of some confusion. This was the ball just had to be touched or made to be picked up at any time. Gonzaga decided to let the ball roll all the way. They just had to stop the ball at any juncture. And they didn't. They let the ball roll 60 feet untouched, picked up and hoisted. He got the shot off, according to them. We don't know if he really did, but they didn't check it because they didn't care. And bam, they hit the three. So you are looking there. If you look at the video at the, what they can categorize as the worst beat in the history of basketball. There's nothing that could compare when they let the ball at .7 roll 60 feet untouched. And then picked it up and hoisted a three. That's the only way you could have lost is if they rolled the ball successfully 60 feet and then hoisted the ball in one motion into the basket. And they did. Never seen anything like it. Absolutely never. So now you have Alabama, which has been the favorite all the way. Houston looks like they've overcome their their real tough injuries and their plight in the second round where it looked like when they went to half that they were beaten. They had different ideas in the second half and played it as well as you could possibly play. UCLA is playing well. They had a mysterious non-cover on Saturday night if you want another one. Um, UConn's playing well. Gonzaga has really survived two games. And then you have over the, on the other side, Creighton playing well and going up against the, the darlings of the tournament in the Princeton Tigers. That game in the South San Diego State, which has played well, in the, it played well against Furman after just getting past Charleston, uh, gets Alabama, which has won both games by 20, even though they didn't look good early in the Maryland game. Miller had a big second half. He wound up with 19 points. And uh, Alabama went on to a a comfortable win. They have won both games by 20 points, really without breaking a sweat so far. And they will be very, very tough to beat. And we'll see if we're on that collision course with Alabama and Houston. uh, That's what I forecast a long time ago when the tournament started. And uh, Texas. I expect Houston to beat Miami. I expect Texas to get past Xavier, although that could be tough. Uh, Xavier's got the ability to play well when they're hitting shots. And then a Texas-Houston final, which would be a really tremendous game. So would a UConn-UCLA be a tremendous, tremendous ball game. All right, let's get some... uh, Let's get some uh, emails in. As I said, Mike Francis a podcast at gmail.com. For all of your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey, Play Sugar House in Connecticut. Now the tournament moves on from Princeton, although they're still here. So they're going to add the charm into the second week. FDU, which had really another really good performance last night, gave us a lot of thrills last night again, got off to a rocky start, came back, took the lead. And played well 
until they finally uh, fell short at the end uh, by eight points to Florida Atlantic. Give Florida Atlantic credit. They came from behind to beat Memphis. Memphis had the game won. It was a terrible beat. They had the ball up one with 10 seconds left and turned it over. And then uh, Florida Atlantic scored with two seconds left. And then both Kansas State and Michigan State played well to beat Marquette and Kentucky, respectively, in good games. And Arkansas played really well to beat Kansas. Give them credit for that one, too. And that's where we are right now. All right, let's get to some uh, questions here. Uh, Here we go. Just curious, this is Randy. Just curious, uh, what do you think about the World Baseball Classic now that Altuve has gotten injured? Hey, I've talked about the injuries. You know I don't like it. I don't think it should be played before the season. If I was an owner, I wouldn't want my players playing in it. Baseball will do anything for a buck. And that's sad. They think this promotes their sport. And I'm not saying it doesn't internationally promote their sport. I'm not saying it doesn't where, uh, you know, national pride and everything comes into it. And the players are very much into this. That's fine. If they're so into it, play it in the postseason. Play it after the postseason's over. When they're tired and they won't care. They don't want to play it then. They want to play it now so they they can miss spring training. Nonsense. I need my players to get ready and I need guys not to get hurt. And any time a player gets hurt in this, it is a really tough thing for an owner to swallow. So I'm not a fan of it at all. Josh in New York, all the discussion on Rick Pitino lately, uh, and we're waiting to see if Rick... I know Rick very well. We have been partners together on racehorses, along with Leon Seidler. Um, I see him in Saratoga all the time. I've done horse business with him. I've owned horses with him. Um, I have, on purpose, not contacted him. Mike Rapoli is a friend of mine. I have talked to him. St. John's uh, can use a guy like Rapoli, a a very, very smart businessman, a self-made billionaire, a St. John's alum. Anything he would do to the athletic department will be a positive with his presence there. And he has promised to cooperate if they hire Rick. It's my understanding, okay, and I have not talked to Rick. I have not called him. I don't intend to do that. Um, It's my understanding he has been offered the job, and it's in his, you know, it's up to him. It's in his court. He has to say yes now. He toured the campus yesterday. He hadn't been on the campus, he said, in a while. He wanted to see the facilities. He wants to play more games in Madison Square Garden, which he knew he would. If they win, that'll be fine. If they don't, it'll be expensive. Uh, because they'll only draw in Madison Square Garden if they're ranked. If they're ranked, they'll draw well. If they're not, they won't draw that well against bad teams um, or against lesser lights. You know, they always play a number of games in Madison Square Garden, as we know. Um, he wants to play more, which I understand. He wants big crowds. He wants to sell that to the players. Um, so we'll wait and see. My understanding is there's a couple of the schools that have gotten involved. I've heard Florida mentioned in the last 48 hours as making a late run for him. So we'll see. He's got other offers, obviously. Um, All the discussion on Patino lately got me interested in his career, especially his time with the Knicks. If Patino had not left the Knicks, uh, would they have had the same success as they did with Riley in the mid-'90s? I can't say that. They're different coaches. 
Pat Riley had a lot more success in the NBA than Rick did. Rick's a great coach. He's a great college coach. I don't know that he's a great pro coach. He never proved to be, so I can't say he is. He is one of the great college coaches of his time. No question about it. One of the great college coaches ever. That goes without saying. He is a legitimate program builder and a great college coach. Um, I cannot put him on the level with Pat Riley and the pros because he doesn't have that resume. Um, Vinny, how much more time would you give Calipari if you were Kentucky? John's got to have a big year next year. My understanding, he has the number one recruiting class in the country. That should take care of that. That should mean a big season. He needs to go deep in the NCAA tournament. Otherwise, they're going to keep calling for his head. See, what they'll do there is they'll just make his life so unpleasant that eventually he'll have had enough. See, he likes Lexington. His wife loves Lexington. She's a small-town girl. She's from Kansas. She doesn't like the big city. She loves Lexington, which is a very sophisticated, smaller city and one of the beautiful cities in the country. If you've never gone to Lexington, go tour it in March. Drive through the horse farms. Stop in for a tour. And, the, and also, downtown Lexington is a very classy city. Very sophisticated city. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful town. It really is. I could live in Lexington. That's how nice it is. Dave in Manhattan. Do you think it's just coincidence that FDU is the second 16 to pull off an upset? Or is there less of a gap between teams in the NCAA tournament? There's less of a gap. The talent is no longer in the hands of a few programs. Players move around a lot. Players now can move around a lot. You can build teams differently. You can bring players in from everywhere with the portal system. Uh, You can get good uh, very quickly. You can add a whole upper-class team in one year. So FDU is a little different. Remember, they didn't even win their league this year. But the team that won the league wasn't eligible because they're making the move from Division Two to Division Three, and they have to pay their penance first. I mean, from Division Two to Division One, and they have to pay their penance. They weren't eligible for the tournament. Otherwise, you know, they, FDU wouldn't even have made it. But the coach did a great job. I'll tell you right now, his kids in the two games they played played with more hustle and more heart than any team I've seen in the tournament in years. So he should be commended for that. Their game plan defensively was superb. They were overmatched. They were really overmatched last night physically. See, Purdue didn't have a bunch of great athletes other than the center. And they lived around him, and they got exposed. He honestly told you he liked his matchup against Purdue, and he was right. And they, pl- I thought Florida Atlantic would beat them by at least a dozen last night and beat them comfortably. They didn't. They didn't. A couple of bounces here or there, that game could have been different. FDU put forth a tremendous, tremendous effort. It should be highly commended. But I do think there's more parity now. Absolutely. Absolutely, there is, there's always going to be in a given year 
eight, eight or ten teams that are a little above the rest. I would say if we played this tournament out ten times, Alabama would win five and Houston would win two or three. Someone else would jump in for one or two. A UCLA if they were healthy, a UConn, uh, a Texas. But clearly, if you go from Team 15, there's no difference between Team 15 and Team 50. No difference. Um, Scott says, there is a new Reggie Jackson documentary coming out on Amazon. I was a huge fan of his. What do you think of him as a player and a person? All right. I don't like Reggie Jackson. I never have. I don't like him as a Yankee. I didn't want him as a Yankee. I don't like his five years with the Yankees. But I cannot take away the fact he was one of the great sluggers ever and one of the clutch sluggers of all time. The spotlight shone brightest. He was great. Case closed. There's no argument about that. He was one of the great clutch hitters ever. And great clutch sluggers ever. Cannot take that away from him. I wouldn't try, but I've never been a Reggie fan, personally, or... And I have to tell you, Reggie's, you know, through the years, he, he had reached out to me a couple of times to do something, and I, I just I was never a Reggie fan, so I didn't want to be disingenuous about it. I just never was. I didn't like that he came to the Yankees. I really didn't. Um, I didn't like that they treated him like Yankee royalty when he only played there five years. But can I take away from his career? Absolutely not. He's one of the great sluggers and one of the great clutch sluggers of all time. Matt Manhattan, WBC withstanding. Do you think Major League Baseball should rethink spring training? I think they should rethink this classic. It makes no sense to have important games in March when these players are trying to work themselves into shape. It makes no sense. This is just, again, a marketing ploy by baseball. If it's that important to the players, it will take in the postseason. After the postseason's over, it will take then. But nobody wants it then because you know what? The TV people don't want it then. They don't even want to put it on TV then because they have football then. They have NFL. They have college football. And they don't need anything. In this quarter, they need programming. So it fills programming. This is a chicken and the egg situation. Sports works where there is a need on television for it. Because then money is produced. But I hate it as a concept. I don't think they should be doing it in spring training. Uh, Chris, how do the Yankees not allow Volpe on this team? Um, I've hoped all along that the Yankees would make a commitment to Volpe when he deserved it. If he's ready. And they feel that he's ready. And they're around him every day. And they know if he's ready. If he's ready, I don't think economically that will be enough of a reason to hold him back. 
I think you put him on the team and let him be. It doesn't mean he's going to blossom into Jeter. But if he's ready to be there on a daily basis, you don't bring him up here and put him on the bench. You bring him up here if he's going to play. If he's going to play every day, then you play him. If he's not, then you don't bring him up here. Gary, uh, since Rodgers was always leaning heavily on leaving Green Bay and the Jets' only team interested, shouldn't both teams have already agreed on trade compensation? Hey, they are playing a a showdown, stare down. Green Bay saying, if you don't get Rodgers, you are screwed. You don't have a quarterback. And the Jets are saying, hey, clock is ticking and get ready to write a enormous, an enormous check to Rodgers. $59 million and change coming up. And they're playing a stare-down game. And the longer it goes, the longer it goes, the more the Jets win. If the Jets had caved already, they would have paid a higher price. Every day they don't cave, the price, I think, favors them. And I think they have to get out of this without giving up a one. If they did that, I'm happy with their horse trading here. He's coming to the Jets. I don't think there's any question he's coming to the Jets. I will be stunned if they don't make a deal. I know people are saying, well, it's not that easy. They're going to... Those same people saying it's not that easy were the same people saying the deal was done two weeks ago, which turned out to be completely inaccurate. They're playing, they're playing a stare-down, showdown game. We'll see who wins. And the draft pick and where it is, the Jets aren't giving any good young players off their team. If they do that, they're nuts. I don't think they will do that. I don't mind a pick that has some things tied to it. I don't mind it being conditional, but they're not getting the just first round draft pick this year. And that's what they want. Uh, Dave says, would love to hear your reflections overall on the place of Dave Winfield in the pantheon of all time baseball players. Uh, listen, Dave Winfield was a terrific talent. He's a guy who could have played basketball. He could have played football. He could, and obviously he played baseball and played it very well. He didn't always fit in here. He wasn't what George wanted George did some really stupid things, and it cost him. Dave did not always perform when the lights were brightest, to say the least. But, again, there's no questioning his ability as a player. He was a wonderful talent. Again, not one of my favorites. Do the Mets rely on Robertson to close games? Yeah, I think they have to. I don't think there's any choice. I think you give him the first shot to do it. If he can't do it, then you decide what you're going to do. But I think you got to lessen the load a little bit. 
And he isn't, doesn't have to be the closer every single day. He can be the closer in 80, you know, percent of the games. He doesn't have to be the everyday guy. It could be a little more by committee, but Robinson's going to be the main guy. I don't think there's any question. And listen, we all know David very, very well. He's good. Now, he can be a little wild. You know, he can have some control issues at times. He can turn uh, a little match into a forest fire every once in a while. But he, he knows what he's doing. With Brunson, could the Knicks actually compete for a title? Not with what they have right now. They don't have enough talent to be a championship team. But do they have now a nucleus that they can build on? Yes, if they can trade out Randall for a better number one player. Have Brunson as your number two and your leader. And go from there? Yes, Brunson has given them a huge lift in terms of character and leadership and clutch. Art coming to the team solidified the rotation and solidified them on both ends of the floor. And you see the results since he came here. I think they're capable of winning a round. I think they're capable of holding their head high in the playoffs this year. I'll be very, very much looking forward to their playoff performance. I don't think they can win a championship, or even get to the final yet. I don't think they're there to beat the very best yet, but I think they have clearly taken a very big step in the right direction. And I told you from the beginning that you were going to love Brunson. Now, I was very partial to those Villanova guys, as you know. I have been for years. I love the Villanova teams. I love their players. Brunson is a guy who is a wonderful, wonderful talent. And a really character guy. You know, that really character guy. I want to tell you, congratulations to everybody out there. You made it through the winter. You wouldn't know it by the March weather. I mean, the weather in March has just been brutal, but March is always brutal. But you know this, first day of spring is this evening. I know that because obviously... Uh, I was born on the first day of spring. This is my birthday today. And I, I know the people who have the same birthday as me, including uh, Pat Bailey and Spike Lee, who share the same birthday as me every year. Um, so happy birthday to them. And a happy spring to everybody out there. We are just a couple of days away from opening day. So, obviously, we're all looking forward to that. There's been a couple of twists and turns along the way. Uh, it hasn't been an easy spring, obviously. I am obviously not and never have been a fan of the baseball classic, and uh, I think it has taken a toll. It'll be interesting to see how these teams perform. I think they both have, uh, obviously, you know, hey, they have the one-two payrolls in baseball. They clearly are serious about getting something done. Have the Yankees closed the gap with Houston? I do not believe so. Are the Mets the best team in the National League? Not automatically, no. So have they done what they want to do? No, they haven't. They still have work to do, both of them. But it should be an interesting spring with them. 
you have that. You have the Masters right around the corner. You have the Final Four, which I think will be a good one. Uh, you have the Masters right after that. After that Monday night game, you uh, before you know it, they're there on Thursday in Augusta. And thank God for the Masters because golf has taken a severe hit with the separation of talent. It's taken a severe hit. And the Masters is one of the only things that has been left on untouched it is that special so I look forward to that then I look forward to the playoffs I don't know what the hockey teams are going to do we'll see I'll leave that up to Mons to tell me how good they're going to do in the playoffs Uh, I look forward to the Stanley Cup playoffs I love them and uh, I like to watch them and I look forward to the NBA playoffs I look forward to the Knicks who I think will win around I know what that entails but I still think they will I think they're ready to play very well down the stretch here and to play well into the playoffs. And you know what? They've been a good team of late. And they're winning at home. And that, as I told you all season, had to be the first step. And it has finally happened. And that changes everything when it happens. You must have the ability to dominate on your home floor. Nothing else gets done until that happens. And we have seen a move in that direction by the, by the Knicks. So enjoy the first day of spring, although it doesn't seem to be uh, that warm yet today. But, hey, I promise you this, just like the baseball season's right around the corner, these 30-degree days, I understand right now it's freezing, but these 30-degree days will become 70-degree days before you know it. April's right around the corner. May, the best month of the year. You know why May's the best month of the year? Because it is a harbinger of things to come. You look forward to those summer days. And in April, it's beautiful weather. You got a lot going on. Thoroughbreds crank up. And Hyok will be back in action very soon. He was working this morning. And... He's either going to run on the 30th of March in New York or the 16th of April in Keeneland. I don't know which one yet, but he's doing great. And I think we just dealt with a psychological issue, if you can believe it or not, at Gulfstream. We'll wait and see. The next race will prove it. He has to perform in the next one. Otherwise, you know, we have nothing to talk about. Casa's uh, resting up after his loss in the Middle East by a nose. For a million and a half bucks by a nose, I mean a half a nostril. And he will run in the drive and try and win that for the third straight time on Belmonte. So we look forward to that again. And horse racing will be right around the corner. Um, right now, Forte seems to be the horse to beat. I love Forte. I've done very well with him. I know him since he was uh, just starting out. And uh, we'll see. Maybe Mike Rapoli's got... A, a good one there. He's got a good one, but maybe he's got a derby horse there. We'll see. He's uh, starting to blossom at the right time. It looks very good. So we'll see how. I know he's not bred to go with the classic distance, but you never know. You never know about that. We'll see how he does, but he's he looks the part at the present time. We'll see how he, uh, how he does as we go forward. Enjoy your uh, first day of spring. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. 
Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.